0: As you know, we're journeying through a mixture of Deuteronomy and the Gospels. So we're looking at how Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and how he fulfills the law in some very specific ways. And so today we're talking about treasure. Um, And before I jump into that, I'm going to go and pray for our time and the word and and then walk through. So if you would join me. Lord, so thankful for the opportunity to gather this morning, so thankful to just be able to Uh, fellowship in your house and to worship and to sing songs of praise to you and uh, thank you for just uh, orchestrating it exactly the way you want to this morning and uh, we're just thankful to just follow your lead and thank you for uh, Justin and Lisa stepping in and just uh, yeah following the Lord too and being willing servants in that way so thank you Lord Um, Lord pray just bless our time in the word just encourage us and strengthen us from it Uh, may your spirit be speaking and um, and challenging us each this morning in Jesus name we pray Amen, amen. <clears throat> so, what we've seen so far is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, and I think I've probably said that enough times that you kind of get where I'm going with that. Um, and just seeing it in some new ways in the temple that I hadn't seen before. But we've always known that Jesus is kind of the center point of the Scripture, and here is yet another way in which we see that in the very temple itself. There's a picture of Christ being a, a fulfillment uh, that is coming. And so today we're looking at a way in which he fulfilled, Jesus fulfills the law as described within the covenant. Um, I'm not too loud. Am I too loud in here? I'm good? Okay, good. Okay, cool. Uh, just as loud as usual, Blake. Um, <laughs> how he fulfills the law as described in the covenant renewal documents. And so today we're looking at how Jesus interacts with treasure. So I got this wonderful picture. Treasure, my precious, my precious toilet paper. <laughs> um, there, there are things we treasure, right? And sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's toilet paper, you know? I mean, we didn't realize that it would be such a special thing, but apparently sometimes it is. Um, so, so we're talking about how Jesus interacts with that which we treasure. And there's a number of things which we tre- treasure, we treasure our time, we treasure our treasure, mm-hmm. uh, we treasure our talents, we treasure all these sorts of things. And so the question that we have this morning is, where does your treasure come from? Not from molten lava in some cave in Mordor or whatever. Um, all right, I'm sure I butchered that story, but anyway. Um, it, comes from, it comes from the Lord. Uh, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow do to change, every good thing we have is from God, and we kind of say that a lot of times. But do we recognize that? Do we show that uh, in our lives? The caution that we have from Deuteronomy, that you'll remember that that uh, Moses was giving to the people, and the Lord was giving to the people, was that they were about to go into the land. And one of the things he told them is, once you get in the land, you are going to be tempted to say some things in your heart. Once you get there, these are the things you're going to say. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have got me this wealth. You shall remember that the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Where does your wealth come from, O Israel, when you are there and fruit is growing off the vine that you didn't even plant? It came from the Lord. He is the one that saved you out of Egypt. He is the one that brought you into the land. And you're going to be tempted to say, even though you experienced all those things in your life, you're going to be tempted to say, This is mine and I earned it. All right. Where did you get the power to earn anything? <laughs> right. And so this is the caution that the Lord gives in the covenant. Um, and He gives this caution a number of ways. Actually, throughout Scripture, the, the fourth commandment is uh, anyone know the fourth commandment? four number four anybody anybody guess stab in the dark remember the sabbath day day. yep number four uh the fourth commandment calls israel to observe the sabbath to set aside a day not to work even though conditions for work are available right like it's not like there was anything weird about sunday or saturday at that at that time that was like oh the sun stopped shining you know, the, gro- the grass stopped growing. No, like it wasn't like, there was no logical reason in history to say, we're gonna just take this day completely off and not do any work. No, the conditions were there, um, but even though they're there, don't work. This was a recognition that all of life is from the Lord, a regular rec- re- recognition through their days that all of life is from the Lord. Um, Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your ox, your donkey, your livestock, or your sojourner that's within your gates, that your male servant or female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day." So something I want you to hear from that passage is that there is a purpose in the Sabbath to teach us something. There's something the Lord wants to teach us as we do this rhythm in our life of Sabbath. Um, The purpose that is given for Sabbath is this, that you may remember what that you were a slave and that you didn't get out of it by your own hand, but you got out of it by the Lord's hand. And so if the Lord is going to save you out of oppression from Egypt, then maybe we should set aside some time to recognize that all that I have isn't from what I've done, but rather from what God has done for me. It's a a reminder that we live by the mighty outstretched hand of the Lord, not by our own strength. The purpose of Sabbath is to acknowledge that uh, our strength and our might and our ability and our ability to get well Comes from the Lord, not from the things that we do. Um, And so throughout the covenant, we see God calling them to set aside things in recognition of some character or truth about God and about us. Um, So throughout the covenant, we see them call not only to set aside time, but also to set aside a portion of their yield, that is, tithes, also to set aside time for festivals. Uh, sacrifices and time spent to acknowledge the salvation and provision that comes from the Lord. So we see very clearly in uh, in Deuteronomy fourteen twenty three, there's a purpose for why people brought in the tithes. Uh, Deuteronomy fourteen twenty three, before the Lord your God, uh, and before the Lord your God in the place that He will choose to make His name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may, what? Learn to fear the Lord your God always. What's the purpose of the tithe? To just have a big fun time of food with your friends? No. Uh, To give food to the Levites so that they're provided. Yeah, that happens as well, but the reason that you're doing that is to learn to fear the Lord your God always. Why am I setting aside a portion of my income to rejoice with the people of God and to maintain the rejoicing of the people of God? It is to remember to fear the Lord my God always, not to find my strength and my peace in what I can provide for myself, but rather to see that all life comes from God. All that I have comes from God, all my time, all my treasure. The purpose is to remind us to fear the Lord our God always. Each of these festivals, the main festivals that are talked about throughout Deuteronomy and the covenant renewal, also have purpose. Uh, Deuteronomy sixteen three, 3, uh, speaking of, about the Passover, you shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread and the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life you may remember the day you came out of the land of Egypt. The Passover specifically is to remember the coming out of Egypt. To remember how God brought you out. Uh, the Feast of Weeks, Deuteronomy sixteen twelve. You should do these things. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. It's a remembrance of the giving of the law. The Feast of Weeks is uh, fifty days after Passover. is pen- also known as Pentecost. It's the time when they received the law. So, what's the purpose of the Feast of Weeks? To remember to do what God has asked you to do, right? Uh, to remember to observe the statutes. Um, and finally, the Feast of Booths, uh, Deuteronomy 16, 15. For seven days you should keep the feast to the Lord your God at the place that the Lord will choose, because the Lord your God will bless you and all your produce and all the work of your hands, so that you will be joyful altogether. Uh, this is a remembrance that God is our provider. They were living in booths as they came out of Egypt. They moving around in booths and in tents and, and this and in the midst of that while they're wandering through the wilderness who is their provider it is god the whole time it's a remembrance that god is the one that provides for you always he has given you fruit he has given you the ability to gain fruit with fruit and so there's a purpose in all of these uh little things of setting aside to remember something about god and about who he is um The challenge is this, and the challenge is the same today as it was when Jesus showed up on the scene, is that the covenant law instructed Sabbath and tithe and festival as reminders that our treasure should not be the things we have, but rather the Lord's faithful provision and character. So these rhythms of life, the Sabbath, the tithe, the festival. They were reminders, remembrances of God's character and who he is. They were supposed to point us to who God is and who we are in light of who God is, right? Their purpose is to teach us, to grow us, to grow us closer to our Father in heaven. But by Christ's time, these religious rhythms of Sabbath and tithe and feast We're being exploited as just religious traditions, uh, being exalted over their very meaning. So what does Jesus say about what we're supposed to do with our treasure? The Old Testament is saying, the old covenant, the covenant renewal is saying, you should do these things that you remember what the character of our God is and what he is actually calling you to, not just part of your life, but your whole life. And so Jesus challenges us uh, in a number of ways uh, that we looked at some of uh, throughout, uh, throughout this week in, in Bible study. What does Jesus say about what to do with our treasure? Uh, I'm going to talk about time, and I'm going to talk about money, and uh, I'm going to talk about power, I guess, actually. Time, money, power? Anyway. Um, so, the first, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. I don't have it on the screen here, but uh, it's a bit of a long passage. And I'm going to talk through it with us. So you'll be very familiar too. So I don't think uh, there'll be a, a ton of explanation in this. But uh, Christ cares about our time. He has given us our time. Matthew six twenty-five. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air; they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his life to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow; They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day. Uh, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When we think about Sabbath, it can be very easy for us to, you know, what, I don't know what your rhythm is for Sabbath, and we don't have, like, any more kind of, like, a religious expectation of when Sabbath is to be, actually. Like, it's not something we li- really work on as much. Um, there's not, like, a turning off of all the lights on Friday night and, you know, setting things in the right way so that on Saturday we do no, no you know, defined type of work. Um, but one of the, the challenges with Sabbath is that we have anxiousness about what is ahead in our week, right? We're thinking about Monday. If your Sabbath is on Sunday, we're thinking about Monday going, what are we supposed to do? There's not enough time. There's not enough strength. There's not enough whatever it is. And so if we get too often into a rhythm of, you know what, I got to do a little bit of work on Sunday because, you know, I just got to make sure we take care of all these things. We got to be careful with that in our hearts, right? What are we leaning on? Am I leaning on the strength of the Lord to provide in the six days that he's given me to work or am I leaning on my own strength to provide? It's very easy for us, especially on Sabbath when we've set aside time, we've set aside time to think and pray and be with our family or be with our, our church family or friends or whatever it may be, just time to rest, right, and step aside from productivity, it can be very easy to let that time be consumed by anxiety about what is ahead, and, and to let that anxiety creep into action that we're taking uh, to earn, or to work, or whatever it may be, and, and forsake the time that God has given us to rest and sit, Um. And so Sabbath specifically is like this regular rhythm that God is calling us to build into our lives so that we don't let our anxiety about our time, the time that we have, overtake the reality that God has given us every minute we have, right? And so instead of like, you know, there's like some responsibility on both ends, right? Like, you got to know, I got six days to (laughs) to do what I need to do. Can't happen in six days? So sorry. Put it in the bottom of the inbox. Start over, you know? Um, and you know, yeah, there's times when something comes up and you got to do what you got to do, right? Like Jesus even confronts that. Like if your ox is stuck in a hole, are you going to leave your ox there in the hole on a Sunday morning? You know, no, you're going to get the ox out because it's a matter of preserving life and all that. So, so there's some very, you know, exceptions to that. You got to, you got to work out with Holy Spirit and, and through prayer about what that, what those exceptions are like for you specifically. But the, point is that this regular rhythm of setting aside time in your life to rest and enjoy and be at peace enjoy the lord enjoy your family whatever it may be uh go to church and worship like this is a time of sabbath and remembrance setting aside time to be with our father in heaven um this is important rhythm for us to acknowledge that god is my provider he's my provider of time he's my provider of ability to gain wealth he's a provider of my family like If I acknowledge that, then Sabbath is easy. I enjoy his presence. And so he says, do not be anxious about what tomorrow will bring. You can't even add an hour to your life by worrying about it, right? You can't change it in any way, the span of your life. And furthermore, does he not clothe the lilies? Does he not provide for the birds? He does faithfully. He is faithful to his creation. He's faithful to his people. So we set aside time to acknowledge that God is uh, our provider, and we can trust him with our lives. Um, Second, our tithes, our money. Uh, We talked about this on Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe about the rich young ruler in uh, Luke chapter 18, 18 to 30. Jesus uh, is there and a ruler comes and asks him a question he says good teacher what must i do to inherit eternal life and jesus said to him why do you call me good no one is good except god alone it's a powerful statement in and of itself like paul wrote a lot on that (laughs) no one is good but god alone usually like look at each other and like oh he's pretty good like jesus said no one was good okay Moving on. Uh, you call me, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to them, One thing you still lack sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, that you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he became sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we've left all our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. There's like a lot to break down here. I'm not going to be able to get to all of it. Um, but first off, he asked the rich young ruler to give up all of his wealth. All right, you've followed all the commandments, then eh, you're still wondering what to do to inherit internal life why don't you sell everything and just follow me a lot of times we want to get hung up on this idea of is he going to ask me to sell everything I got a lot of stuff i don't want to sell my stuff uh and so that gets into our hearts and we're like okay i gotta deal with that um is he asking me to sell everything uh kind of right um Maybe, 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 maybe not. Not, I'm not going to answer that question for you. Um, I'm going to let you wrestle with that the way you need to wrestle with that alone. Um, But the bigger point than, hey, sell all your possessions, right, is the second thing he says, and follow me. And follow me. Why why are you, uh, so Jesus sees right into people's hearts as he's walking the earth, right? And that's the whole, that's the whole thing. Like he's the law, perfect law walking, and what is the law but the Holy Spirit convicting our hearts of what is true between us and God? And so Jesus is doing that actively as he's running into people. And when this guy comes and asks him, hey, what do I need to do to earn eternal life? Jesus is like, your God is your money. You need to let go of that and follow me. Like, yeah, you've been religious. You followed all the things. But you haven't actually surrendered. You've just been trying to earn your way into heaven this whole time by doing the right steps. But do you love me? Do you trust me, your savior, right? Sell everything and follow me. That's what he needed to do. That's what he needed to hear. That might not be what you need to hear. But what you definitely need to hear is follow me. That's what I definitely need to hear is follow Jesus. If he tells me something, I need to follow him. When he heard these things, he became very sad because he was extremely rich. The flip side of this is later on, uh, the disciples are confused, and they're like, how can anyone be saved if the rich can't be saved? I mean, they got all the money. How are they possibly not going to be saved? They're confused, right? And Peter, of course, says, see, we've left our homes, and we followed you. And Jesus graciously says, I mean, this is a very, this is a very gracious statement by Christ, okay? Truly I say, there's no one who's left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for, for the sake of the kingdom, who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Peter is trying to get a pat on the back, right? He's like, see, we've done it. We've left the things. He's like, that's good. That's good. And it's true, like, that if you've left those things, that is a good thing. But listen to the, still the point to Peter, even, is, why have you done that? Why have you done that? Why have you left house or children or, or, sorry, house or wife or brothers or parents? Have you done it for the sake of the kingdom? Very important line to Peter. And Peter and the disciples are challenged on that over and over again during their time with Jesus. What are you doing this for? Are you doing it to gain the the right-hand seat in heaven? Or are you doing it for the kingdom of God? Because I tell you, anyone who does these things uh, for the sake of the kingdom of God, will receive many times more in this time and in the age to come. What is Jesus calling us to with the resources he's giving us? He's calling us to give all of them to him. All of it. I mean, there's the picture of the rich young ruler having to give all of his, literally all of his possessions to the Lord and follow. Hey, leave all that stuff behind and follow me. But one of the things we learn in the tithe is that the tithe is not about some religious activity. It's not about a certain percentage. It's not about any of that. It's about an acknowledgement in yourself that what God has given me, he's given me so much, he's blessed me so much that I'm going to acknowledge his blessing by giving a portion of it back to him. It's all his in the first place. So the tithe isn't like some bill you pay, right? It's a recognition that, 100% 100% of it came from the Lord, and I'm going to give a bit of it back in recognition that it all came from him in the first place. The point of it is not to fulfill some religious expectation. It was used to do that, especially in the Old Covenant, it was used to provide for the Levites so that they would have an actual something to eat. They didn't have any land, right? There was a function to it. And we've talked about how that's similar today uh, for vocational ministry. But the purpose in actually doing the tithe is Worship. It's to worship the God who gave you 100% by giving him whatever it is. I'm not even, I'm not going to put a percentage. You like everyone likes to say 10%, all that. But like whatever the Lord is putting on your heart honestly is the answer to that question. I don't know what that percentage is for you. For some people that's 50%. For some people that's 5%. For some people that's 90%. Like I don't I don't even know. So we get hung up on this percentage thing and it clouds us from the reality that's trying to be taught which is all of it came from God. And all of it is God's. And so wrestle in your own heart like the rich young ruler had to do. I'm pretty wealthy. So what do I do? <laughs> the tithe is a recognition that we ought to give everything to the Lord. For the money we don't tithe to ministry, what are we using it for? Does that mean we have free reign with the rest of the 90%? No. No actually, you're supposed to be a steward with that. Perfect segue. Didn't plan that. <laughs> the feasts, right? What is the feast for? It's a recognition of that God has made us fruitful. He's made the people fruitful. Um, that's what happened in the feast, right? The Passover, the Feast of Weeks, these things, these are like agricultural celebrations Uh, that are celebrating what God has done for us, but also they're bringing in harvest, okay? This is when they're bringing in harvest, so that's why they're celebrating at the times that they're celebrating it in a lot of cases. And so uh, we're celebrating that God is the one that has made me able to be fruitful. And so how we are fruitful with what we have, God is calling us to account. He has given us all that we have. And so if he's given us all that we have, what is his expectation to do with what we have? It is to use it as he would use it. So we talked about on uh, Thursday in community group, uh, Matthew twenty-five fourteen to 30, which is the parable of the talents. So I'm going to read for us Matthew twenty-five fourteen to 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who has called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one to each according to his ability then he went away he who had received 5 talents went at once and traded them and made 5 talents more so he also he who had 2 talents made 2 talents more but he who had received 1 talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money now after a long time the master and those uh, of those servants came and settled accounts with them and he who had received the 5 talents came forward bringing 5 talents more saying master you delivered to me 5 talents here I've given you 5 talents more Master said to him, "Well done, good and faithful servant; you have been faithful over little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master." He also had two talents came forward saying, "Master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more." His master said to him, "Well done, good and faithful servant; you have been faithful over little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master." He also who had received one talent came forward saying, "'Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours.' But his master answered him, "'You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and it come. am I coming? I should have received what is my own plus interest. So take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has ten talents.' For everyone who has will be given more, and uh, he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken from him. Cast the servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is Jesus talking about? Why would Jesus give us such a parable? This seems pretty harsh. But a couple of things to point out. First, a talent. This is fun on Thursday. I didn't notice this, but Connor brought this up. A talent is apparently 20 years of rate of wages 20 years okay so five talents is 100 years of wages this is not a small investment this is not like hey hey can you take care of this little loan for me it's like no can you take care of the wages of 100 men for a year right that's a lot so two talents is whatever that is 40 you know 40 years of wages and one talent is 20 years of wages and so this is a lot of money he's entrusting to these people. And so what is the expectation of someone that is giving someone management? I mean, think of it like this, okay? Chick-fil-A. This is got to use Chick-fil-A, right? Um, say you are an owner of a Chick-fil-A. What does Chick-fil-A expect of you? That you sell hot dogs? No? no? Why not? I mean, it's your Chick-fil-A. Can't you sell hot dogs? No. Why not? Oh, okay. So Chick-fil-A wants you to sell their stuff. Yes. Okay. It's owned by the owner's sale. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So what you're supposed to do if you own a Chick-fil-A is do what a Chick-fil-A does, right? Sell chicken, exactly, and peppermint milkshakes, whatever, Uh, and waffle fries. Oh, man, a spicy chicken sandwich. Man, they're closed on Sunday. Oh, sorry, everybody. Um. But the, the point is, like, God has given you something. What you do with it is to reflect who he is, right? If you have a Chick-fil-A, you're not selling Long John Silvers at the back, okay? Like, you're not being a Long John Silvers if you are a Chick-fil-A. And uh, maybe the crusties, like, just the crusties, You know, those are good. <laughs> Did everyone ever just eat the Krusty's? <laughs> anyway, when I was in high school, we'd drive around and try and get, like, free stuff from places. Just, like, what can you give me for free? And some will give you water and whatever. But, but Long John Silvers give you the crispies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh It's great. Uh, wow, well, that's a rabbit trail. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so, so if God gives you something, his expectation with, okay, your 90% or whatever is the balance of your tithe, right, is to steward that as he would steward it. The things he gives you, the talents he gives you, the time he gives you, the treasure he gives you, he doesn't desire you to just serve yourself with that, but rather, oh, this is great, looking to the interests of others, count them better than... Anyone know that verse? Where's that from? Anyone know where that verse came from? Anyone? Any, any kids know where that verse came from? Counting others more, better than yourselves? Philippians 2, verse 3. Philippians 2 3. Yeah. Counting others gr- greater than yourselves, you should do for them, right? And so uh, that's what God expects of us, to reflect his nature with what he gives us. God desires us to be fruitful with what God has given us. And that's the picture that the, that the talents is showing us. To the man who had five talents, he created five more talents because he knew the nature of his master and said, okay, this is what master master me to do. Make five more. This is what master want to do. Make five more or make two more. And the other one, was afraid and instead of trying to do anything with 20 years worth of wages he buried it and like the guy goes away on a long journey comes back and you've done nothing with it 20 years of wages and you've you've not even tried you didn't even try i guarantee if he would have tried and lost money it would have been better than just burying it for him um if you knew my character right if you knew my character, why then did you just set it aside? I am a man who reaps and sows where I have not even sown. i reaps where I've not even sown. Uh, so if you knew this about who I am, then why didn't you act as I am? So Jesus challenges all these institutions that the people had of Sabbath, of tithe, of uh, these feasts. What, are, what is he challenging them to? Remember the purpose in these things. This is all from God. So many times the religious leaders wanted to say, uh, wanted to judge the people for not tithing correctly, for not tithing on their mint and cumin. He's like, what are you talking about? You have so lost the purpose that you are exacting this change from the weak and poor and have forgotten why you're even doing this in the first place. And so the challenge, and there's always a challenge with religious rhythm, is to remember Remember why we're doing this, why we're gathering, why we're uh, why we're tithing, why we're setting aside time for the Lord. It's to know Him better, to acknowledge that we depend on Him for every single thing. So we'll close uh, with these three things. Maybe we'll see. going we do that? No. All right, it's not gonna work. That's fine uh go with these three things trust god with every day of your life trust god with every day of your life what does the sabbath tell us it tells us to trust god with our time not to be anxious about how much time we have or or what trust god with every single day of your life not just sabbath but you know all the other six as well Right? trust him with monday and tuesday and, th- and wednesday and thursday and friday and saturday trust him with every day the purpose of that ritual is not to just have a ritual it's to acknowledge that all the time that god has given me he has given me for his glory and so trust him with every day of your life second trust god with all that you have trust god with all that you have why do you bring in a tithe? to acknowledge that all that I have has come from God. What do I give to the Lord? Because he gave everything I have to me. He, I was born to parents that he chose for me. I was born in a place that he chose for me. I was given talents that he gave me. So if I acknowledge that he has given all that I have, then I give, not just as a religious uh, expression, but rather as an acknowledgement that 100% came from the Lord. So trust God with all that you have. Finally, be fruitful with all God has given you. If he's given you something, then use it as the Lord calls you to use it. God has given us each tremendous gifts in this church and in this body, and he's calling us to look at what God, what, what he has given us, and say, how can I use that for the glory of God be fruitful with it. Knowing that your God is one who looks to the cares of others more than the interest of himself, then our actions should be the same. Have this mind among yourselves that is yours in Christ Jesus, who forsaking, uh, you know, what it was to be human, counted it all nothing and took on the cross for you. I totally butchered that passage I just talked about yesterday, but, right, (laughs) we're reflecting what Jesus did. So in all that you have, not just your Sunday, not just your 10%, not just whatever it is, all of it, be fruitful with what God has given you. Trust God with every day. Trust Him with all you have. Be fruitful with all God has given you. Let's pray. Lord, so thankful for the opportunity to be here this morning, and so thankful for uh, just the challenge of your word and, and, and Jesus calling us to account and Um, God, you've cared about us the same way, uh, since the beginning, since the beginning of creation to the end of time, you care about us in the same way. Nothing has changed in that. And so we thank you that when Christ showed up on the scene, he, he just challenged so hard, um, the foundation of, of religiosity and, and God, we're so apt to do the same thing, to just get into a rhythm of like, not even thinking about what we're doing when we give to the kingdom of God and not even thinking about what we're doing when we show up to church on Sunday and not even thinking about what we're doing uh with the talents and treasure that God has given us and just doing them unto our own understanding. And so God I pray you would help us help us to consider our master in heaven, his character and his nature and his faithfulness and his salvation and his provision and all of it has come from him. All that I have has come from you, Lord, and so I pray you'd help me, help us all, Lord, uh, to trust you with every day, to trust you with all we have, and to be fruitful in all that you give us to do, and God, help us to work not as though we're working for man, but as though we're working for you. You are our leader, Lord, in every aspect of our life, in our families, in our work, in our, uh, in our hobbies. God, you are our leader, and so God, we ask Uh, you would help us to follow you as you call us to do so. Help us not be like the rich young ruler who hears the command of the Lord and walks away sad because it's too hard for him. Lord, help us uh, to have hearts of flesh so that when we hear your word spoken to us, we would follow. We're so grateful for uh, a body of believers that loves each other so well. And Lord, pray you'd help us to grow more and more in that, uh, serving one another. Uh, and, and not serving ourselves. And Lord, we're thankful for what Jesus has done in showing us that uh, perfect example of what it is to lay down your life, to lay down your whole life for those that are weak, for those that are around you, counting them more than we count ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.